You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or give to our ministry, please visit us at thevillagechurch.net. This is the good news of the gospel. God made us, showed us how to live, but we chose our own way. Our sins separated us from God. But God had a compassionate plan. The Father sent His Son, Jesus, to restore all that was broken. We couldn't comprehend Jesus. Or His supposed kingdom. His message was radical and offensive. So So we we killed killed Him. But a greater story was being told. The Father placed the wrongdoings of the entire world, past, present, and future, on Jesus, making a way back to Himself. Now, through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, we are raised to new life, free from all guilt and condemnation, as God is making all things new. His Spirit now lives in those who believe to take His good news to all people, even to the ends of the earth. This This is the the Gospel. Morning, church. My name is Stuart, and for the past year and a half, I've been here with you at the village as one of your church planners. And in just a few weeks, my wife and our three children will be moving to the city of Boulder, Colorado, sent by you guys to plant Boulder Church. Um, and so we are. Praise God. And so we're, we're excited to get there and see and watch as people call on the name of the Lord. And so our scripture reading this morning is from Romans chapter number 10, verses 9 through 13. Verse 9 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Jim. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. That will be our primary passage this morning. While you're turning there, uh, I wanted to give you another kind of fun update from the vape store down the way. Uh, And I never thought they did not prepare me for that sentence in seminary. So uh, that's a new sentence for me. If you were here last week, you heard uh, the story. We are all in with a ministry called Young Lives. It's a ministry to teenage moms and dads. Uh, And one of the things we've done since we bought the corner is we created space on the east side. We created a free store uh, for these moms and dads with like high quality, nice stuff, diapers and formula and car seats and strollers. And um, but the, the space that was open was next to the vape store. And so we moved in over there, probably not the best place to put it, but it's fine. It's what it is. The Lord's the Lord. Uh, and so we, we, we had a big group there a couple of weeks ago and a woman came in uh, to the vape store to get a little vape juice. I think that's what it's called. If I'm wrong, I don't care. I just want to call it vape juice. And uh, she goes to, uh, and she asks what's going on next door. And the owner of the vape store said, well, it's this thing for teen moms. And this woman tears up a little bit. And in her car is her great niece, Uh, who's been homeless, who's had a baby, who is a teenager. And so the owner of the vape store like walks them over 
uh, and introduces this young woman to the other young ladies and the, the, the women that are running this ministry and the men that are running this ministry. And then this is fun this week. Uh, this week, the owner of the, the vape store put a table up by the register with a little sign that says the baby store with information about our ministry and a tip jar if you want to support these teen moms. Like how, that's crazy. I mean, how fun is this? I mean, that is wild that he's like for the baby store. It's not even called the baby store. It's just, it is now. We'll rename that thing the baby store, says the vape juice guy. Uh, And so, man, the Lord is just on the move, man. He just, there's a million of these little things that's happening all the time, but this one has just freaked me out uh, all week long. Just like he's just compelled to serve, to help, to, and I, I'm not sure he's a believer. In fact, I'm fairly certain he's not a believer yet. Yes. But you can start seeing this thing in him, right? This, I hate the darkness of the world. I want to do something about it. He's entering, uh, he's entering the war that you and I know about without even fully knowing about it. Uh, the Bible calls a man like this a man of peace um, and says that we're to find those who are men of peace uh, and kind of help them fill out uh, the paradigm. So um, here, here's where we're going today. I just want to talk to you about the simplicity of the gospel. Uh, simplicity is this week. Power of the gospel is next week. Uh, and then honestly, we're going to be moving on into Advent, which is, it bends the brain a little bit. Uh, I want to start my sermon with just this sentence. And it's a sentence that's been used really throughout Christian history. If you maybe have a Catholic background or you know some of the church fathers, like Jerome said it, uh, Augustine said it, some version of this sentence. I'm going to quote Augustine because that's my guy. Uh, And Augustine said this, the gospel is shallow enough for a child not to drown, yet deep enough for an elephant to swim. Now, I have experienced this firsthand. Let Let me try to unpack how that is. My wife became a Christian. My wife fell in love with Jesus when she was eight years old. That's a third grader. So that the gospel can not only be comprehended by a third grader, but, but that a love relationship with God can be born from someone who may or may not know how to tie her or his shoes yet, right? This is the gospel being shallow enough that a child won't drown. And yet there are some of you, there's some members of our church, like double PhDs, and you needed to do the deep dive on the historical information. You needed to know presuppositional apologetics. You needed to make sense of, and you went on a two-year journey of research before the Holy Spirit opened up your heart to believe the simple message of the gospel. Your elephant's And there was room enough for you to swim. And sweet LC was in third grade and she didn't drown. And the good news is that over the last, I won't use the number of years for my own safety, (laughs) she has simply grown in her delight and her love of King Jesus. And even after 30, even after a series of years, (laughs) her feet haven't touched the bottom. This is the beauty of the gospel. Now, um, again, if you were here last week, I talked about my own lineage of faith that Jeff Faircloth, uh, who I played football with, and by that, I mean, I was on the team that he was on. Uh, his grandparents uh, kind of adopted him, train wreck of a family situation, uh, share the gospel with him. He shares the gospel with me. 
I get saved and start sharing the gospel, but I don't have Jeff's background. I don't know the scriptures he knows. I wasn't grown up steeping in the things he was. So I just didn't know a lot, which is why I went with the chick track things. There were these little comic book tracks that I could hand to people and it kind of explained the gospel story. But if they had follow-up questions, completely stuck. Uh, and so then what would happen is I would, I would say these things that were probably pretty dumb, uh, but the Lord would use them. And so uh, I think the dumbest, um, this is just me being vulnerable with you. Remember how I started this series with guys like, nobody wants my soul. I'm like, I hear you, bro. Um, so I'm reaching into my pocket for a Jolly Rancher and my friend Jimmy Herford um, says, ooh, can I have one of those? I was like, sure. He said, what flavor is it? And I said, fire. That's what they call cinnamon Jolly Ranchers, fire. And he was like, I don't like fire. To which I responded, well, about Jesus, he can save you from fire in this life and the life to come, eternal fire. So I would have you consider, Jimmy, the, the, that the Lord has come to save you from fire. Now, I'm not trying to unpack a methodology on you today, like do this, but here's what I'll say. Jimmy became a Christian. Jimmy's still faithfully serving the Lord. And one of the things I want to strengthen in you today is the confidence that sharing the gospel with other people doesn't belong to professional Christians. And it doesn't belong to those who have all the answers. And it doesn't belong to those who, it's just, it belongs to those who are willing. And the arms of the Lord are not too short to save. Now, it didn't happen at that moment. I didn't go, hey, you, you want this fire jolly run? You better, and he started weeping. And that's not how it happened, right? There was more to come. But, but it's all that I had. And I just wanted to say yes to the Lord. And, and so we're going to talk about the simplicity of the gospel. So here's all I want to do. I want to remind you how the gospel spreads. Uh, I want to give you a tool. That's all it is. It's a tool that, that you might be able to use as you think about the relational circles that God's put you in, in the hopes uh, that we might see men and women come to know and love him. And then I'm going to show you an illustration of all of this, and then we'll head out into this beautiful day. So let's look back at our text, Romans 10, starting in verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him for and here's the refrain of the passage. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, this is a, this is a it is simple as it gets. Who is saved? Who is rescued and ransomed? Anyone who believes in their heart. This is not intellectual assent. We don't believe in Jesus like we believe in Abraham Lincoln. Like we believe in our, like in our guts, we believe that he's the Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We believe that he died for our sins and that he was resurrected. There is an internal happening around the gospel that has led us to believe in our hearts that he can be trusted and that we love him and that we are going to follow him. It can happen to a third grader and it can happen to a double PhD. They believe this and then that inward happening leads to an external confession. They confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. Now, uh, I said this week one, I wanna keep saying this. Um, 
the primary way that Christianity has grown from 120 Jewish men and women in Jerusalem to 2.3 billion people worldwide has not been through professional Christians and charismatic preaching and personalities in stadium crusades. It has flown through relational circles where everyday, normal, imperfect, not quite sure what to do, Christians say yes to Jesus and step into the only story there actually is. And so I showed you week one, my relational circles. Here they are. So this is my, this is, this is sad. This is like my whole life on this screen. So uh, that, that's me in the circle, the one that says me. And my primary place of disciple making and gospel sharing is my family. Now, my wife deeply loves the Lord. Uh, she, she is anchored in Christ. But God gave me three kids, and you ain't born a Christian. So my primary evangelistic strategy has been since day one to put kindling around the hearts of my children in the hopes that the Holy Spirit would light it. You know why I say it that way? Because I can't make my, Christians, I can't make my kids be Christians. I can't do it. There's no kind of moral standard by which makes them a Christian. Uh, I can't control their behavior in such a way that they are Christians. I cannot make any of them love the Lord. Can I bend them to my rule? Maybe. Not the oldest. <laughs> right? Like, everybody's got one of those. Like, we'll see about that, right? But, like, like can, I, can I bend them to my will? Can I threaten? Can I? Maybe. But can I make them love Jesus? No. So I have to pray. I have to plead, and I have to just as often as I can just put dry kindling around their heart, point them to the beauty of Christ, celebrate and, and create spaces of gratitude in our home where we can marvel at how good God's been to us. N not, not easy, but good. And, and then ask the Holy Spirit to ignite it. That This is my primary spot. And, and then at work, and, and I know you're like, don't, don't you work with all Christians? Yeah, very much so. Uh, in fact, um, maybe this is helpful language to you. Nobody gets paid to love Jesus at the village. That's permission to play, but that's not anybody's job description. All right, you tracking with what I mean by that? Like, you, 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 like I, our staff knows this. We say this. You, you don't get paid to love Jesus. Like, that's permission to play. Like, if you, you, you like, want a job here, and you fill it out, and you're going through our process, and, and you're like, man, you're really gifted, but you're not quite sure what to do with Jesus. Well, we're, you're not, you don't get to work here. You don't get to, you have to love Jesus to work here, but nobody gets paid to love Jesus here. So I, I say that all of them are Christians. They all actually have pretty dynamic relationships with the Lord, but you know who might not? Their kids. And you, you ask our staff, I see them with their kids. I'm, forget them. I'm going straight after their kid. What's up, man? I got, uh. How was soccer yesterday? How was, and I'm all about, man, whatever. I'll see you at the office, but I, I want those kids to know I see them. I'm excited for them that I'm grateful that their mama and daddy work here. Sometimes I'll even say, I I'm sorry mom and dad hadn't been around as much as maybe we'd like if I know that this has been in a particularly grind, grindy season. And, and I'm hopeful that I can be playful enough and, and engaging enough to at least in their little core memories go, there was someone who saw me and loved me that was in this place, that was up on that stage, and, and he was playful and kind. And that, so th that's all evangelism to me. That's all relational circles. God, put those, put me in them. And then double five is where I go a couple of times a week to let grown men beat the trash out of me. That's the jujitsu gym uh, I'm in. And, and that has been incredibly, like, 
What I'm doing is frequently at the end of a roll, if I still, if my ribs have not been shattered, I will say, hey, I've got time to pray later this afternoon. Is there anything I can pray for you about? I have been shocked at how quickly and tearfully grown men with tats on their neck and gauges will start tearing up and saying, this is how you can pray for me. And then listen, this is crazy. I actually pray for him. And then when I swing back around and we fight again, um, I'll, I'll ask him about it. Not during the roll. That's bad. That's, you're not supposed to do that. But at the end of the roll, um, I'll ask, how's things going? How's, like, like this, these are my relational circles. And then there's divine appointments. Right? These are those, like, those, those layups that God gives you. Right? They're, 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 you come across someone like, like week one when I talked about being at the Flying J and that guy was like, all I have is my soul and nobody wants that. That's a divine uh, appointment. Or, or this for me is any opportunity. I want to be eyes wide open for opportunities God might give me to share the gospel. This is how the gospel has moved forward from generation to generation. And everyone in this room has this. I don't know what yours looks like. This is mine. I'm just showing you how simple this is. This is my whole life. You can bring up anything in my life that's not on this screen right now. And this is where the Lord has placed me to herald the good news of his gospel to all that might be in my circle. Now, from here, I want to kind of lay before you, this is a simple tool. That's all it is, is a tool. So I know some of you are going to be like, want to take pictures. Of, you can, it's just called the three circles. You can look it up on our website and find the tool there. This is what we use in our kind of, uh, our like goer groups that go out and share the gospel with people. If we train you in evangelism, this is a tool that we use. You can go to our, or if you want to see how versatile the, the uh, three circles are, you can go to YouTube and there's like 30 different examples of how to do it and how to use it. Let me just kind of walk you through uh, how I do it. So if, if I'm having a conversation within my, within my circles usually, right? So I've got a relationship. I've been praying. We've fought each other. We've had conversations in the neighborhood. We've had a cup of coffee or other beverage and we've talked about life and, and we've got a relationship and, and we start talking about the gospel. Here's almost always how I do it. I'll grab a piece of paper, uh, a napkin. I almost always have a pen on me and I'll draw a circle. And in the middle of that circle, I'll say God's beautiful design. If I don't write those words, I'll put a heart in it. And then I want to just talk about Genesis 1 and 2. I want to talk about how God created the world, that he created it beautiful and good and in shalom, that, that what we're experiencing now, what we see now is not God's original design, that what we're feeling when we feel the brokenness of the world is there's something in us as image bearers that remembers that the world's not supposed to be like this. And I just talk about the beauty of God's good design, that he is the creator. This is Genesis 1 and 2, that, that all those things we look at is praiseworthy. God created those things. He, he's the God that gave us flavors. He, he's the God that gave us colors. He's not utilitarian. He loves beauty. He loves order. He loves, right? And, and this, we're just having this conversation, but this isn't the world you and I live in. Like almost all of us in some way or another, they are, I am, we're seeing it on the news or on our feed. We see that the world is broken. And so then I draw this, this little kind of little arrow, right? Like told you, I got myriad of skills, guys, myriad of skills. So I draw that right there. And by the way, I'm guessing that if you've got your kid in here with you today, they can do this. 
This is how simple this is. I, I draw that little, little guy. Just come, Sometimes I put some waves behind him so I can show movement. And, and I'll say that why we're not experiencing the shalom or beauty of God is because of sin. Not because of this or that, because of sin, that the root issue in their heart, in my heart, and the problem with humanity, the reason why history is repeating itself is because of sin. And that sin has led to this next circle, a broken world. So if I don't write broken world in there, I'll just do like a little jagged line, right? Again, you don't have to be a great artist, just a jagged line. And then I start talking about the brokenness of the world. I start walking back through some of those verses in the, the Roman road. I, I start to share that, uh, you know, God shows his love for us, or actually the wages of sin is death. Like, this is what's happened. The world's broken. It's fractured. It's not as God intended it to be. And, and I will almost always, because there's almost always relationship here, now, I will start to talk about their efforts or my efforts to get out of this brokenness. So here are some of the most common. I'll do a little squiggly line. I'll write the word success. Because I'll say, what happens when we feel the weight of the brokenness of the world, born of our sin and rebellion against God's design, we got to get out. And one of the ways we try to get out is being successful, however our family of origin issues define success. We're not going to be our dad. We're not going to be our mom. We're going to make more money. We're not going to, we're going to sit in this seat. We're going to be this kind of athlete. We're going to make these kinds of grades. And we're trying to soothe our soul with success as we define it. Now, what's wild about this is that almost everyone I've ever sat down with has already achieved some measure of success. So they bought into the lie that what they need to soothe their soul is more of what they actually already have. It's wild. So we just, I, success. But sometimes it's not success at all. Sometimes it's control. So another squiggly line, control. Some of us try to get out with control. So the world's scary to us. It's wild. It's broken. We're scared. So we like double down. Like we're going to manage this. We're going to manipulate this. We're going to tighten our grip on the things of the world. And again, this is taking place within a relationship where we have had conversations usually about their life. So maybe success is the only thing I need to scribble. Maybe control is the only thing I need to scribble. And we'll talk about control and how it doesn't work and how the tighter we squeeze on things, the messier they tend to get and the more angry and jaded we tend to get. And, and if it's not success or control, sometimes it's relationships. Um, predominantly, the two relationships are significant other and children. That's how we try to get out of the broken world. Uh, I have oftentimes told you uh, that the first seven years of my marriage was a disaster, uh, nightmare. Like, oh my God, this is the rest of my life, nightmare. And, and I know every time I say that, I can see who's new in the crowd because they're like, oh, no, no, no. If, if Lauren were here, she was here last night and I said it, she would go, yeah. Like she wasn't laying in bed and going, he is the man of my dreams. All of my childhood hopes have come true in this stud. That, that, is not, that was not her experience. Um, and what was happening is that I had, unbeknownst to me, some deep wounds and insecurity that, again, all of this is under the surface. I thought that she would take care of. I thought that she would solve. And when she didn't, I doubled up into control to try to control my world. And it, it, if you're listening to me, that explains a rough seven years, doesn't it? 
I need you to, I need you to play God. I need you to do in my soul those things only, will, only Jesus will do. And, and if you won't do that naturally, then let me tell you what to do. And if you'll do what I say, I'll finally, be, I'll finally have peace. I'll finally be free of this brokenness. And now we're in a really toxic dance. And if it's not your significant other, either the desire one or the one that you have, oftentimes, and this is true in our area, it's our kids. Um, and, and I have found this to be brutal for children. The way life is supposed to work, mom and dad, is we hold the mirror for them and say, this is what it looks like to grow into the Lord. So maybe this will help. Reed turned 18 yesterday. Uh, in fact, I've been quite a, like a, a train wreck of emotions. Uh, 14 years ago, I shot a video for you right after they found the tumor in my brain. They gave me two to three years. I shot a video right before surgery because I didn't know what version of me would wake up from the surgery. And I said, I want to walk my daughters down the aisle. I want to help my son become a man. I'm asking God for those things. Well, returned 18 yesterday. Audrey walks down the aisle in two weeks. So I've been a bit of a mess about all of those things. But let me, let me use this illustration. Um, since Reed was born, we have been talking about what it means to be a man. I didn't wait till he was fourth grade. I was like, this is how you treat your sister. This is how you interact with your mama. You get that door. It didn't become, I know she can get that door, but you get that. It's all of that. Men are resilient. I'm here for you, buddy. We, we're going to make it through, right? This is, I want you to order your room because a man orders his life. I want you to, I mean, this, these, he's in the room. These are conversations we've had since he was little bitty. So 18 was fun because I was like, hey, congrats, buddy. Here's some bills. Because we hadn't been waiting. It's been like, oh, your teacher said that? Well, man, email your teacher. Oh, set that up. Set, because I'm holding the mirror for him. This is what it looks like to be a man. Watch me love your mama. Watch me interact with your sisters. Watch me live my life. Watch me own my mistakes, either publicly or privately, and embrace my humanity. Watch me embrace the grace of God. Let me, let me be the mirror, son. I'm not handing him the mirror and going, show me that I'm a good man. Be a good enough athlete that I can feel better about myself. Succeed in a way that reflects well on me. I wouldn't crush him like that. And this is what happens to so many of us. Like they, they just become our little gods and we'll kill them if we do that to them. And so sometimes it's, it's this, it's this relationship. It's like, no, 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 no. It, it's not going to work. And then if it's not that, then it's comfort. And, and comfort, like if you double-clicked and drop down menu on comfort, it's all sorts of stuff, man. It's just, you know, checking out and not being willing to feel anything. So always got to have a screen in front of you. It's that third drink. Are you tracking with me when I say third drink? It's pornography. It's drugs and alcohol. It's anything where you've got to check out because it's all too much. Like this is comfort. This, I'm trying to get out of the brokenness of this world. I can feel it. I feel stuck. How do I get out of here? Let me be successful. Oh gosh, that's not really working. So let me try harder to be successful. It's not going to work. Or let me manage if my wife or my kids or my money, let me just control these. These people would just do what I say. Let me change friend groups because this one's not. Let me do Like it's just managing and manipulating always. And it's just not going to work. And if that doesn't work, well, I need my spouse to do this and my kids to do this. I need my friends to do it. And you just kind of manipulate all the time. And then if it's not that, you're like, you know what? pour that third bourbon and turn on a Netflix binge and let me just let that thing roll until I fall asleep on the couch long enough to forget and then get up and go to bed and start again the next day. This is, like, this is this circle. 
And it's highly individualized. Like I said, a lot today, I might only say 5% of that or 10% of that, depending on the person. And then I draw a third circle, and that third circle just has a simple word in it, Jesus. It also could have a cross or three crosses in it. And then this is when I start to talk about the love and mercy of Jesus setting us free from the brokenness of the world. And this is, if you remember week one, this is the Roman road again. Um, if you've got a background in church, you probably know those verses. If you don't, they're really easy to learn. Now, I don't think you need to memorize them in the ESV. I think you could actually just get the gist of it and say, this is what the word of God says. Like in Romans 5, 8, the Bible says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And this is the, the big one. Romans 8, 1, therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? There's no condemnation. Like Christ has paid the bill in full. Or the text we were in is our primary text today. That if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, and then this is always that place where I want to just start bragging on Jesus and marveling at his mercy. So I'm going to start telling my story. Let's get that, those circles back up. Because what needs to happen now is to get in. I need to put this other, and then look at, look at again, myriad of gifts. Look, you've got to surrender to Jesus. It's not just belief, it's surrender to Jesus. And here's where my story comes in, and your story comes in, whatever your story is. Like, I want to start marveling at what God has done. Like, I, I, have no idea where my life would be if Christ hadn't saved me. I know what I'm from. Backwoods of Missouri, almost snakes and poison, a lot of methamphetamines, some prison and mental institution. That's my line. And the Lord was like, nope, we're going to break that here. I, I was watching Lauren this morning out the kitchen window. She was outside with the dogs, a cup of coffee, and there's these horses next door. But like, she's like Mary Poppins. They saw her and you know, get all excited. And she's like feeding this paint, a carrot, dogs next to her. I mean, just radiant. And I'm just like, God, just crazy about her. That's not what Chandler men do. That's not where I'm from. That, I got no history of that. Where'd that come from? Since the moment Reed Chandler had breath in his lungs, I'm like, I'm gonna do everything I possibly can to point him towards the savior of his soul and what it means to be a man in this day where that can be really confusing. I want clear lines. I want moments where I say, you're there. Go get him. Doesn't matter if you don't feel like it. Sometimes I don't feel like it. This is, this is the day the Lord has made. I wanted to love my wife and my daughters in such a way that they would spot the suckers and not be interested. <laughs> and by the grace of God, so far it's been working. I've got one, you know, one 14-year-old, so we'll see. We've still got to navigate that. But I think she's doing well. So, so, like, I was just marveling. And this is the kind of stuff I want to talk about. Remember my, like, everybody's got that, like, 10-second testimony. Like, uh, before Christ, I was, I was a, a violent and perverse man. And, and then since I've come to know Christ, like, I walk in peace and deep community. I've been set free. It's just that that's this space. I want to just brag on Jesus because if we will surrender to his lordship, then, and here's the completion of the three circles. Here, here's that last boom line. Then forgiveness and reconciliation is ours. We go back into God's beautiful design. This is John 10.10, 10, that the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. 
This is, and then almost always, I will in this moment say, do, do you have any questions for me? Sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. They'll be asking about this, and then uh, I might do a, um, is there anything keeping you today from saying yes to, to Jesus' invitation to the fullness of life? And the majority of the time, they actually do have questions that may or may not have anything to do with what I've just drawn. Uh, I'll tell you one that I get often, that it's just not been my thing, but uh, I've had people go, what about the dinosaurs? To which I have had to say, I, I cannot draw a dinosaur, buddy. I, I, have, I can do this, and I can... But can we talk for a second about those kinds of questions? Um, it is one thing to study presuppositional apologetics and, and to have answers and to be prepared for any question you might get. It's a whole nother thing for in humility and relational love say, I don't know, but I'll go find out for you. And then to go study, not so that you might be seen as smart, but to go study because you actually love this person and they want to understand the good news of Jesus Christ and they're stuck in something. That's a whole different kind of studying than just studying so that you might have a clever response to something. And then you just reset it up. Hey, found some stuff out about the dinosaurs. You want to come over? You want me to come over? You want to, how do you want to do this? And, and then sit down again. And I almost always like pull out a piece of paper, three circles. That's about, it's about a, a, a 12 second draw there. And then let's get back into the stories. Here's what I've learned about the dinosaurs. Any other questions that you have about this? Anything stopping you today? And, and then there've been times I've got to pray uh, that, you know, they were like, no. And I was like, man, why don't you Ask the Holy Spirit to forgive your sins. Ask Jesus to come reign in your heart. I, you can do the repeat after me prayer thing uh, if you want. I just like the beauty of baby prayers, like brand new spiritual life prayers. They're like janky and theologically a train wreck and awesome. And so I'm like, why don't you just ask Jesus for this and just let them pray. Then I pray over them. Then we talk about kind of what the next step is, namely that the next step is to publicly let people know that there, there's a new king over your life and a new Lord over your life. And we primarily do that through public baptism. And that baptism lets the saint see that you're in and you're saying, I'm all in on Jesus. Help me get safely home. And the community celebrates and go, we'll help you help us. Let's get there together. And then we rejoice together as a family, a local family of faith. And, and, and this is just such a a simple tool. Now, one of the things I'm trying to do, just so you know, I'm not, I don't want to be subversive. I want to just be blatant. I want to provoke your imagination that within your relational circles, God could do well beyond what you're thinking right now. And all the little hurdles about why you couldn't do this or, or, or what would stop you from stepping into this actually are probably the enemy whispering in your ear to keep you from fulfilling the very purpose of your life. And to show you this, I, I want to show you just a quick story about the Red Barn Rally. Looking, looking back, it is so obvious to, to us, God has a work to do. The most encouraging thing that I want to share with anybody is that if you're just willing, uh, he'll, he'll make it happen and you just jump in the river and that's the thing that's been amazing to me is to look back over these last couple of years and just doing what he told us we need to do. Uh, a little bit about our family. So Matt and Amber Clay um, have a 16-year-old son, 13-year-old um, son, and a six-year-old little girl. And uh, we've been at the village now for about 13 years. About three years ago, we it was just after COVID, 
we found ourselves um, in the thick of raising kids in sports and school and PTA and all the things. The Lord really put it on our hearts to start hosting, um, having these boys, they were already hanging out here anyway. And so we wanted to kind of create kind of a bridge between the sports life and the church life. We started hosting a Bible study here over the summer as the boys, our oldest was going into high school. What that looked like, we didn't really know at the time, but we just said there's a couple of staples that we're going to put in there. We're going to talk, share the gospel. Um, and then we'll just, you know, read some, try to figure out something we could read together and um, talk about what that means about them and what it means about God and how they can apply it. So looking back, thinking well, we're just going to do that for the summer. Pretty soon after school started, the kids were like asking my son, when can we start coming back? just for a mom and a dad just to open up their home and for it to have grown in them. They're still coming. <laughs> These boys still want to come. Um, and they have all different backgrounds, all different um, family um, stories and churches. And um, it's just, but their common ground is each other in this community and Jesus and the gospel. Going from starting with a few boys in there playing some basketball and doing a Bible study to having 75 people at our house and doing a full-blown baptism and seeing these boys profess their faith and like how encouraging it is to see that life change and, and then bring more in and do that again a second time it's just it's more than we can even we could have ever imagined oh it's just there's it's just amazing what, what god's doing and all that we look back and we're like, God basically was like, hey, I have this thing I'm going to do with these boys. Like, y'all want to jump on board? You want to be a part of this or not? Because come on, you know? And so um, we've said before, like, once you get in the game and you get a, you're a part of that, then you don't want to do anything else. I mean, you just start seeing things, see him at work and see the fruit of that. It's just so exciting um, that, that's, that you just want to continue it and continue it. And, and what you may not know is, and one of the things I love about this is Matt is actually very much an introvert. So like to stand in front of people or to take steps like this is like, he likes to be in the background and the Lord's like, okay, but ooch up here. Now, here's what I would tell you. you. You have, I don't know that you have a basketball court on the side of your house or a yard that they can play football in or I don't know, but there's something going on. Like you've got relational circles all around you. Like those, those boys, they're, a lot of them are here today. They, nothing I said about those circles was surprising to them today. They know these circles. That, I mean, they, they heard the gospel in some ways by seeing someone else draw these circles for them. It's just a good tool for us to be able to use. So, so here's, here's how I want to end our time together um, today. Uh, I would love for you, if you did in week one, kind of map out your relational circle so you can see what it is. I would encourage you to do that, and then I would ask the Holy Spirit to give you insight and some imagination and how you might step into those circles with the good news of the gospel. Now, sometimes when I teach this stuff, people will say, man, it just feels too late to me. Man, I've got this group of friends I've been with for a long time. They know I go to church, but I've never really broached this subject with them. Man, I'm glad you asked that. Here is the best approach on that, and it's one that will mark you as a person of humility apologize and say that it was about you, not about them. It was about your own fear, your own foolishness, and, and you don't want to be afraid anymore. 
And, and so I think, by and large, you already know. You, you know your circles, you know the people, you know, I, I would love for you this week to reach out to one person. It's like, can we get together? I would love to just share this thing with you. It's about Jesus, and if they say no, great. You will, look, you will feel the exhilaration of obedience. They more than likely won't say no. The, the world is so spiritually curious right now. I wonder what it would be like for you to walk through this with someone to see how easy it is to go find the answer, maybe that they're looking for tons of resources on our site or that we can help you with if you feel like you get jammed up. But this is what, by the grace of God, we want to unleash on this area. You owning the fact that the kingdom doesn't belong to the professionals, but it belongs to the everyday, normal, not quite sure what to do, not sure what I would say, Christian who believes by faith that obedience will be rewarded by King Jesus. And so I'm going to pray for us. And while I pray, there's going to be some men and women that come up here and they're just going to be here to pray for you. And here's, here's what I would encourage you to do. Um, if at some point this morning, uh, uh, as I'm walking through the circles, you, you realize or it clicks for the first time that you've never actually surrendered to Jesus, that you've got some kind of intellectual assent as his, at, Jesus is a historical figure, but, but you haven't surrendered, you haven't said yes, you haven't all laid it down, you, you haven't kind of prostrated yourself before him and said, you're the king of my life, you're the Lord of my life. I want to invite you to do that. And, and if you've done that, man, come let us know. I think you can already tell, man, we love to celebrate when God's doing cool stuff. Uh, and so if that's you, we'd love to celebrate that with you. Uh, man, we'll, we'll baptize you this morning. Let, we've got shorts and a t-shirt and towels and, and we'll get you back there and we'll, we'll go nuts rejoicing that you want to say, I'm all in on King Jesus help me and I'll walk alongside of you and we'll all agree to that together and we'll head out outside of these walls and boldly live the kingdom of God in a way that I think pushes back darkness and establishes light. But if you are a Christian, I would love for you to use this time, this space to consider what it looks like for you to own and step into your own relational circles. Uh, yes and amen to serving at the church and finding a place to volunteer here. We'll need that to pull this thing off week in and week out. But God has given you a, a call and has placed you uniquely so that things like this, maybe not exactly like this, but like this, are a part of your life and you wouldn't be just so bored or, or constantly always just trying to morally improve yourself, but you can actually step into the actual fight find purpose and meaning and life and vibrancy with King Jesus there. Father, I pray a blessing over these men and women. I thank you for your grace over us. I thank you that for those of us who know you and love you and have said yes to you, you pulled us out of the muck and the mire. I'm, I'm looking around the room. I, I see them. I, I know some of these testimonies. They were they, dark lines made light by you. We praise you. I thank you for how you've lifted us out of the muck and the mire. I thank you that you put our feet on a rock. I, I thank you that you've put a new song in our mouths, as King David says, a song of praise. So I pray now boldness for your saints. Pray salvation for those who have yet to say yes. And I pray life and peace. And it's for your beautiful name I pray. Amen.